Hello and welcome to the One Hope Podcast, where faith and life connect. A podcast done by One Hope Church in Gig Harbor, Washington. Enjoy! Hello, this is Sierra Horsberger. I will be your podcaster today. And today we'll be talking about Mark 10, 42-45, which reads as follows. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Yeah, whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Sorry, I had to repeat that a little bit. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. All right, so the first part of that is focus on the words uh, slave and servant. I do not think it's trying to condone literally like commodifying human life or kidnapping people and forcing them to do your will. Uh, but there is something Jesus wants us to learn from these words. I'm not a Bible scholar, and I definitely could be wrong, but to me, saying that in order to be great, we need to be servants, and to be the greatest, we need to be slaves, really implies something more than the amount of service that we have to do, but how we do that service. Some could serve the church and other people in the world a lot, and still not be acting as a slave or servant, at least not as a slave of all. What I mean is we might love to serve on our own terms. We might be really passionate about certain specific ministry activities and or certain groups of people that we want to serve and ignore other opportunities that God is giving us to love others and share the gospel in our church or personal or professional lives because pursuing that opportunity is not in your comfort zone or your area of expertise or passion or it just seems unpleasant. And I'm not saying that everyone in the church should do everything because the Bible talks about how all of us have different gifts. However, I do think we need to think to take time really to pray and to recognize the opportunities where God is calling us to serve and love others. Slaves and servants do not get to say no to people in charge of them just because some task or, other, or another is not really their thing or they do not really like the person they are serving, at least not without some serious consequences. Um, When God is calling us to be a slave of all, maybe he is only referring to his own disciples, among whom there were arguments about who was to be the greatest, but I think that unless we have some real scholarly reason to think that, we should play it safe and just assume that he means everyone. Remembering when someone um, asked Jesus who their neighbor was and he responded with the story of the Good Samaritan, someone outside of that person's community going out of their way to be a neighbor um, to someone else. I think someone inside of it. Someone's going to correct me if I'm wrong about that. Okay, they will. They'll find me. I think that the greatness that God is commending here is an attitude of serving everyone as a slave, which includes people we do not want to serve. The person in the office who... Um, like, like the person in the office who always has something negative to say about every idea or suggestion. The kid in your classroom who finds some new way to cause chaos and disruption each day. The person holding up the sign on the street corner who is, abs- who is absolutely 100% just going to spend your hard-earned money on drugs instead of seeking out real help that may or may not come in the form of a government service that your taxes already paid for. Not that us Christians should ever judge. Or your neighbor who beats his wife and kids and kicks his dog. The parent or in-law 
for whom nothing you do is ever good enough or whose political ideologies you say are evil, you say or seem to you to be evil in the eyes of God. It seems uh, that the way to be great in Jesus' eyes is to serve all of these, not just when we feel like it, but as though we are compelled to as a slave is by his or her master. Not that we are to be accomplices in evil, but we should serve all the way Jesus was willing to take time for even the most unsavory characters. And I do not think it's just uh, the people or activities, um, like the people we serve or the activities that we serve in, but the attitude with which we do it um, that's coming into play here or that's relevant or that that is spoken to you by this passage. Um, the slave does not serve like some magnanimous philanthropist of their own volition, out of plenty, when it works for them, and thinking how great they were to go out of their way to serve someone else like that. Um, a servant is just doing their job, just serving their master's purpose for them. Uh, just their base, Servants and slaves are just doing their job. Serving can be easy when we think that we are the ones in control, but God is saying that to be great, we need to put those we serve ahead of ourselves, in at least some sense, to consider them as compelling us to serve. The other thing that I think is interesting in this passage is the comparison uh, that it touches on between slaves or servants and those who are in positions of power. Uh, in this passage, it talks about how Jesus, the Son of Man, came not to be served, but to serve. And the greatest among Jesus' followers, I mean, Jesus is the Son of Man. He's the Son of God. He's all that stuff. And he says that, and the greatest of Jesus' followers are this, I mean, I'm sorry, not stuff. He's, he's just really great. And that the greatest among Jesus' followers are the slaves and, um, and servants of others. I think that these ideas really connect to imagery that was used in Galatians 4, which was early in our podcast, where I was also podcasting, and I, um, and that passage talked about how an heir before he assumes authority over his inheritance is like a slave, and how at the right time Jesus came so that we could be adopted as sons of God. Before that, I think it says we were um, enslaved to the fundamental principles of this world. Another example in the Bible is when the prodigal son returns to his father, asking to merely be a servant in his household, but finds himself restored as an heir. Um, and it's so strange to me that, like, when we are truly slaves, when we are in bondage to sin, we often do not realize that we are slaves, pretending or acting at least in part as though we are our own rulers, kind of like the prodigal son. And I think maybe he's not literally thinking he's a king or something, but he is demanding his inheritance early rather than submitting to his father. For at least many people, it's not until they're truly humbled by circumstances in their lives or, or in our hearts, maybe, that we will submit to serve God and acknowledge his authority um, as we are rescued by Jesus. God then makes us heirs with Jesus, which will be later in Romans, as my internet search has shown me recently. Um, yeah, God then makes us heirs with him and sets us free. Uh, but once we have received our inheritance as heirs, God tells us that actually truly being great is about serving, um, not serving sin or ourselves this time, but serving God and serving other people. It's, it's so wild how the tables turn. We put ourselves per first and try to serve ourselves while really being slaves that need to be rescued. We submit to God's authority when we are saved only to be ma made heirs with Christ. Uh, once we are heirs, we are told that the way to be truly great is to be a servant and a slave of others. 
And maybe it doesn't happen this way for everyone, or, or even if it maybe does, we don't perceive it that way. But that whole ride is still so wild to me, just that whole narrative. And I'm just in wonder of how the Bible is written this way. Yeah. I don't know if there's really any application or takeaway that I had from that, but it just seems like, I don't know, it just seems really interesting that the Bible is just, everything comes so, everything is just integrated in a way that is so satisfying in a literary way. Um, but, yeah. I think maybe we should pray. Um, dear God, I just thank you uh, for thank you for saving us. Thank you for for saving us from sin. Thank you for turning us around. Thank you for helping us to understand things better. Um, we just thank you that even though we had things and tend to think of things so wrong and so mixed up um, about what greatness is and what's really going to give us satisfaction in life, that you just came and rescued us, that you turned us around, and that you're going to help us um, to love and serve you and to love and serve other people. Um, and I pray that you would help us as we go throughout our week just to just to remember that, to remember um, our salvation, to remember that the good things we do um, originally, those are just, they're not our idea um, that you, or even if they are our idea, that you gave us all of our goodness, that you rescued us from our sin. Um, I just pray that you would help us as we go, as we go forward um, for the whole week. Amen.